0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the scoop i'm your host frank chaparro editor at large at the block and i I think this is safe to say this is the first episode of the new bull market or am i going to jinx that should i knock on this wooden desk and to, to christen the bull market. <laughs> people are gonna hate me for jinxing everything. Uh, we have Jusika Choi, head of OTC Options Trading at Kraken. So excited to have you on the other side of the mic. You've been you've been kind of quietly building over there for the past three years. So it's nice to kind of get you get you on the show to, I mean, there's a whole wealth of stuff we can dig into, um, Kraken, the options landscape. But we'll start with this past this past week, right? Because as we were kind of getting into before we turn on the mics, there's been a shift. So maybe introduce yourself first to the audience for folks that maybe aren't familiar with your long story. Uh, I, I told our producer when, when your, your comms folks reached out that you are squarely in the OG category. So introduce yourself to the audience and then we can get into that, that shift that everyone's talking about.
1: Uh, sure. So I, my name is Juthika. I run our OTC options trading at Kraken. I've been at Kraken for uh, three years now. Before Kraken, I had started a uh, derivatives exchange, initially Bitcoin derivatives. Um, in the US called Ledger X. Uh, so it was doing that for six or seven years. So yeah, dating back to working in the space for probably 10 years now, which is um, a long, long time in crypto, a long time in general. And uh, and yeah, at Kraken, we focus on OTC trading for high net worth and institutional clients, um, focus on options and other derivatives.
0: Yeah, 10 years. I mean, so that's probably you know 170 years in crypto. Crypto terms.
1: It will aid you, that's for sure.
0: And what keeps you going? What keeps you keeps you in it?
1: Well, I can't imagine myself going back to the traditional markets after this. I can tell you that. Uh, look, I think it's. I try not to lose the um, a lot of the idealistic element that kind of got me into it in the first place. And that's what I like about dealing with derivatives um, and like the physicals. You do kind of um, get to interface with companies that are using Bitcoin for real things. There's no question that there's a huge speculative aspect, but And do you think, you know, form of money that anybody can use, nobody controls um, is, you know, it's going to be powerful and we're just seeing more and more uh, use cases and things like that take off. So I'm excited to see when it really comes to fruition. I think probably like most people, um, you know, the 10 years, I would have thought 10 years ago that maybe certain elements would be further along. But, you know, what what we're seeing continues to be like really exciting, particularly with Kraken being more on the ground and international. You know, it's one thing to be in the New York area and um, it's just seen as another tradable asset. But I think um, where Kraken has boots on the ground in a lot of other countries, we're seeing people who um, are really using Bitcoin and really need it as an alternative. And so that's what we hope to be able to service in all areas.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, in many ways. Right. You can say that Ledger X was was quite, quite early to, um, where, Too early. where quite, quite early. Well, I'll let you determine how many quites um, <laughs> I won't make that judgment, but this is now, I mean, if, if, if they launched uh, if the firm had launched now, I mean, it would have been in, insanely good timing. If you just look at the options market, it, it is it, is it is it an overstatement to say that, especially over this week, I don't think it's an overstatement. This is where the, the, the central, hub of, of of maybe not liquidity per se but but action is right now in crypto
1: I think so you know and and I think I mean if you look at even in the, the traditional markets in the equity markets very often um the activity is in the options you know whether it's the daily options or just some of the the meme stocks and it's just going to be anything that's speculative you're just going to have um, not just more volatility and excitement in the options, but a broader range of ways that you can express views and bets and hedges. You know, whereas the spot market is sort of one-dimensional. You can buy spot, you can sell spot. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that you can do in options, and so it caters to a wider variety of clients. And then with that, you just get more liquidity because there's more people trading it, you know for with different reasons in mind.
0: So what has been? So everyone, if you if we sort of paint a picture of the market these past, let's call it this past week, um, wh- what's been described, right, is a fundamental shift in the options market that may be tied to a lot of this weird noise around a potential spot Bitcoin ETF. And so I'm going to outline it the way that it's been explained to me, and then you're going to... Um, <laughs> make it more eloquent and and add a level of expertise that I lack. Um, but, it, but it seems, right, if you look at the past year in this bear market, you had options activity that kind of, to put it very basically, kept the market within a very tight range because people probably were coming to your desk or to other desks to earn a yield on, on Bitcoin through options. And, and that sort of Create a reinforcing cycle by which volatility was sort of sup- suppressed in a way, and now you have new entrants maybe coming to the market that want to do, want to do something a bit different with options that has resulted in a spike in vol um, as well as a spike in price per se. That sort of cap that we have has been blown off. Um, can can you can you first off? Um, let me know if any of that doesn't jive with with the sort of actual situation and then maybe go like a layer deep on on the mechanics of it all and feel free to throw out throw in any greek wording that that might be appropriate
1: yeah so um i think i think generally it jives i mean i would i always kind of would say as a word of caution that people like to look at option positioning and flows um and what they see from exchanges. And oftentimes that's just one piece, you know, always keep in mind like an OTC desk, like ours, um, we might have some exposure on exchange and we often have, offsetting or very different exposures, um, OTC facing clients that you don't necessarily see. And so um, I wouldn't always like jump to conclusions just based on one element. And that's same in the traditional markets where, you know, funds have to file for like their stock holdings, but they might have options against it, things like that. Um, But generally, yes, I think that's kind of the dynamic we had seen earlier in the year where volatility was trading really low. I mean, there were times that Bitcoin implied volatility was in the 20s, um, which is just crazy. It's like a uh, implied daily move of like one, I don't know, one, one and a half percent. Um, so volatility is trading very low. People were just doing, yield was very hard to come by. So people were just selling options, trying to get whatever yield they could, you know, especially Bitcoin holders who were just sitting on it. And so then um, the, I think that's the narrative goes, so then the market makers now, our long vol. Um, and in theory, it kind of seems like, okay, it's okay to be long Bitcoin vol at 30, but when Bitcoin's not moving at all, it uh, didn't you know feel great for anyone. And so they end up trying to um, just monetize the realized volatility by selling as Bitcoin goes up and buying as it goes down. Doing that at maybe you know Bitcoin moving one percent a day because that could get them you know close to, to break even. And so I think the narrative is that that dynamic kind of um, keeps them keeps the the price in a certain range. And then when it shifts and now clients are buying options like buying upside call options um, in order to speculate on price move, now the market makers have a very different exposure, which is that as Bitcoin goes up, um, they're basically short more and more Bitcoin that they have to, you know, deliver in some way to their client, um, and so then they have to buy to to cover there. I mean, I think again, these things are um, probably not uh, as probably not as big as like everyone likes to make it out to be. Like at the end of the day. People like to ascribe narratives to price action and Bitcoin is momentum based. And so anytime you get a momentum based move, people will be like, oh, it's a short gamma and moving on momentum. But that used to happen even before options in Bitcoin. It's always been a momentum based market.
0: And that hasn't changed. No. So I guess like a quick summary, right? If you look at the past three months, it was super quiet. And the vol sellers got a little too comfortable to an extent. You basically have um, you had some really outsized covered call positions built up on exchange, maybe concentrated ETH, but there's some Bitcoin there as well. And then you just have this this blow up. Um.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's what like at the end of the day, Bitcoin wasn't moving before, so the call sellers were um, probably comfortable because, you know, it seemed okay to be comfortable. Um, And then, you know, with comfort comes probably a little bit more leverage than, you know, you would otherwise uh, have, because if you want to really goose your yield in a low vol environment, the way to do it is to lever up. So I think, you know, on that first leg up, as we approach 30K, probably driven by like liquidations, just as much as real momentum. Um, And then from there, you know, the Then you start to get some spot buying, um, maybe some covering, maybe you know. In general, like the a lot of market makers, if they're holding delta positions, like even if they're long, now they don't feel the need to to scalp that you know two percent because you know they feel like okay, there's more momentum to this market. So all of those kind of like factor in, and then before you know it, you're at 34k.
0: Yeah, and falls popping off and. Yes. Just feels like we're so back. <laughs> so where, where do you think we go from here? Um, if you're going to pull out your crystal ball and to what extent, what signs, I, I know um, you ma- you make a very um, clear point that y- y- you would, you would advise people perhaps not to read too much into things, but um, where do we go from here and what signs and options um, will indicate, will be clear indicators for people moving forward?
1: Well, you know, in terms of where we go, I think, um, for one thing, I mean, as you mentioned, like vol is high and it's not going back down to that, you know, 30 level for a while. I think we're at like 70 right now. So, you know, think about the daily moves now it's probably up at like close to 4% implied move. Um, so we're in for some volatility, which is a good thing because I think this, this space really thrives on volatility. It injects like energy and, um, momentum, even downside volatility, to be honest, is not the worst thing. Um, So the market's definitely pricing some big moves. And I always say, like, if it can go up fast, it can go down faster. Um, So, you know, obviously, we should sort of be careful there. In terms of our flows, we have seen a bit of a shift, as you can imagine, from solely yield-based to, um, you know, more call buying and um, putting on, you know, longer uh, positions, things that might be a little bit more capital efficient or provide more natural Leverage to do in the option space. Um, you know, I think the there's some signs that point to you know more recently some um, spot buying too as well. I think the ETF is always going to be like it's generally assumed it's going to happen, but it's this like bullish narrative that is always in the background. And every time price goes up, people are going to find some way to point it back to the ETF. And that actually reminds me of. In 2020, when the corporates started accumulating, so very early MicroStrategy and Square and Tesla, Every time there was a bull move, people were like, "Some corporate, Apple's accumulating some corporate." So it reminds me of that. People always need a narrative um, to to ascribe things to. And so we'll have the ETF narrative will continue to be there until that gets approved, and then it'll probably be the having as a narrative. Um, and so those are, I guess, good things as well because it's a narrative always helps boost momentum and interest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what about on the flip side? Because to, to your point. Um it, it seems like the the market is positioned as such that uh, you can have a, a violent break either way to your point. It, it can go up quite quite volatile uh, with quite a bit of volatility or down with quite a bit of volatility. So maybe gleaning sort of conversations with clients. What are some of those downside risks that are, are top of mind uh, that are juxtaposed with with ETF and, and sailor buying uh, lots of more coins.
1: Well, you know, I think I think there's two things. So one is that um, generally, like this is still a very thin market. And so like any momentum is driven by price and it doesn't take a lot of uh, like dollars to move the market. <laughs> so there, there's that outstanding. The second is the ETF itself. You know, I don't get the sense that There's like a ton of latent demand on the sidelines that can't access Bitcoin or hasn't put any money to work and is like solely waiting for an ETF. Yeah, right. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, it's not that difficult. Like, it's quite easy, actually, for all of these folks, especially if they're like, you know, thoughtful funds. They're not going to wait. They will just figure out a way to get exposure. There's plenty of, products that they can use. There's plenty of spot exchanges. So, um, so yeah, I don't think that there's like a ton of latent demand. And, um, to be honest, I'm not really sure what the market expectation is there. I think when you talk like one-on-one with institutional clients, I think a lot of people agree. Um, but that's that's sort of a risk. Is like, what is the market pricing in for that ETF move? Um, and then also from a volatility point of view, what is the market pricing in? Because you know, if implied vols stay really jacked through you know January when this is expected, and it ends up being a non-event, then um, that's going to really crush you know crush vols and crush option prices.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When. I mean, being in the space for so long, narratives like are constantly changing, even, even what we understand Bitcoin to be um, has, has changed over the past, you know, 10 plus years. It's an interesting evolution, but the evolution of our market structure and our markets has been interesting. And you have not only been in crypto for that amount of time, but you've been in the in the specific um, in the sort of capital markets, which have gone through. A whole host of 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 changes right um 2021 to 2022 witnessing a widespread credit crisis um you know the early days of ledger x like where derivatives were just were, were non-existent this was you know outside of maybe perps and now um you have you know we're in the wake of of that credit crisis and a, a number of key market participants key components of the market structure being gone from Alameda to Genesis to BlockFi what how would you sort of how would you sort of describe the state of of crypto's capital markets and and maybe share some thoughts on on the evolution from your various seats
1: Yes, I mean I think it's it's still fragmented and it's going to continue to be fragmented because the like that sort of stems from the regulatory aspect. Um so you know, you'll have like the US and its regulatory environment um and then like various overseas regimes and there will be some entities and market makers that will be able to kind of bridge the the gaps between those, but um, I think we'll continue to see, you know, degree of fragmentation. I think we'll probably see for better or worse, we'll probably see more constructs from the traditional markets w- make their way into crypto. So, for example, one of the things that comes up a lot in our conversations with um, institutions are like tri-party collateral agreements. which um, mm. are very popular in the OTC space in traditional markets. Um, Nobody really cared about them, you know, before the last two years. And now it's like, okay, can we have, um, you know, a third party that basically acts as a custodian for some of these derivatives transactions? So I think we'll see more of those constructs come into the crypto space. You know, it's sort of interesting. I think that it's one of those examples that in theory, there's a lot that you could do on chain to solve these problems, but, you know, in practice, it's much simpler and faster and easier for people to do it with these um, the more traditional agreements.
0: Understood, and maybe just even the um, the whole idea of collateral has changed in a post um, FTX or credit credit crisis world.
1: Yeah, I mean, the I think well, so so for one thing, this is actually like kind of. What I do like is like this is another example of something that Bitcoin's kind of uniquely suited to, like twenty four seven. You know, you can pledge it as collateral, um, and obviously, it has to still have like integrity as a store of value in order to be pledged as collateral. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the, I think to a degree, those things are going to change. But also, I also think to a degree, people will. If the traditional markets have taught us anything, it's that people make the same mistakes over and over. You know, it'll people have short memories. The bull market will come. Uh, People will kind of start taking more risks to get more business and make more money. And um, not saying like the degree of anything that we've seen is going to happen again, but um, you know, I think there'll be some. uh, It won't be as strict as it is now for this long.
0: Mm, mm. And what what's the catalyst that gets us back into the the go go um, laissez faire regime?
1: Um, Well, you know, it's a good question. Um, It's always hard to tell with this space whether you like you go from being in a bull market to in a bear market. Like there's only two modes. Uh, Probably. Yeah, I mean, I guess this once people start making a lot of money again, whether that's from like price going up or volumes going up, it doesn't really matter what. Um, That's really what constitutes being back in a bull market again.
0: So walk us through um, Kraken's game plan as far as um, expanding in derivatives and, and to that end, maybe walk us through the, the origin story.
1: Well, you know, like most things at Kraken, the origin story for derivatives was purely Mm -hmm. client-based. We just had gotten a lot of inquiries for clients that wanted to uh, trade options. Our bread and butter is like whales and high net worth individuals who've been in crypto for a while because Kraken has been, we talked about 10 years uh, being a long time in crypto. I mean, Kraken's been around since 2011, uh, really dating back to, to Gox and Jesse being really involved in that. So a lot of real crypto OGs are cracking clients and they wanted to start looking at options um, for things like yield and ways to kind of monetize Bitcoin um, that are maybe a little bit more prudent than uh, than some of the other offerings that were out there. So that's where it stemmed from. And then from there, it's continued to grow um, in response to to really what clients want and, um, and the kinds of products that, you know, that we can comfortably support given that we do take principal risk. Um, one of the areas that in the next kind of bull run, I think might start to take off more are structured products, which that means different things to different people, but generally like a swap based on an underlying trading strategy. And so to use a really simple example, like, um, For people who don't want to necessarily run the basis trade themselves and manage Mm -hmm. the collateral and the um, just like the day to day rebalancing and things like that, uh, to just structure it as like a derivative that produces those kinds of returns. I mean, similar to staking assets and swaps on those. And so I think we'll continue to see like um, a little bit of an evolution. Like everything in this space, I think sometimes um, new products are a little bit early, kind of like Ledger X, where people can look at the traditional markets and jump really fast to try to port over what happened in the traditional markets to crypto. And to some degree, we have to give crypto its time to grow more naturally and organically, so that it evolves where um, the market is ready for the products that we introduce it to. And so, I think. Um, Things will happen like in hopefully in a measured organic way rather than, um, you know, porting over everything from the traditional markets too soon.
0: Yeah, I think that's well said. What do do you think are some examples of where that where where we saw porting that made very little sense?
1: Well, I think it's not so much that it makes little sense, but it's like the the timing needs to be right. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, if you were trying to do exotic derivatives like two years ago, um... You couldn't do it because there wasn't even a liquid vanilla options market. So if you don't have an options market that you can actually trade and hedge, it's too early for the exotics. But I think sometimes it's like everyone wants to be the first mover. And so, um, you know, it's a little too early there. Like a
0: variance swap or something?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's another – exactly. That's another great example. And I think the variance swap stuff is probably like – It's good for information. You know, it's really informative as we talk about vol. I think those are great indices for people to understand where vol's trading, what the market's kind of pricing in. But that's very different from like a a risk-based asset. Um, The other one I'll say, because we were way early on this with the LedgerX, is we worked on hash rate derivatives back in, um, you know, like 14, 15. And miners couldn't care less about them at the time. You know, they were like, if they were even hedging, which they weren't. Um, their high order bit was just Bitcoin price risk, you know. And so now we're starting to see um, hash rate derivatives get a little bit more interest and traction, but those were early. Um, so I think it's not so much that they it, a binary makes sense or don't. It's just the timing is tricky to get right.
0: That's a good point. Maybe it's interesting. like walk us through for people who are maybe like um, more more new or more green when it comes to options, in terms of how much information is gleaned from traditional options markets, like obviously vol is, is probably the preeminent example of a, of, a, of a gauge that you can get. What what other, you know, because we can talk about rates and, and, and all sorts of things that are built on top of this market that we maybe lack. And so that results then in a lack of, certain specific data points that can make you more informed about the market which then translates into more robust markets less chaotic markets perhaps what what's the what's the delta between the two
1: um well i mean i think if I'm understanding your question, I mean, I think vol is, is still the high order bit of what's most like interesting to glean from um, from options markets. And, you know, more so than when people try to read into like flows and positioning, which, as I mentioned, are usually uh, very easy to, to not get right. Um, vol is kind of like more of an objective measure of what the market is pricing in, in terms of expectation for, um, you know, kind of future moves broadly. Um, and I think there's, there's like, it's one thing to think about the broad level of all, like, okay, maybe we were at the thirties now we're in the seventies. Um, you know, prior bull markets were like 80 north of a hundred. Uh, and then the, there's more, um, targeted elements we can look at like, okay, you know, is the volatility of the um, call option that's 30% out of the money trading higher than the volatility of the put option that's 30% out of the money? So, like, is the skew to the upside or to the downside? Because usually, um, at least like prior bull markets, you would start to see the skew more towards the upside. Uh, we can also look at term structure. So, is the volatility of like a January option going to be higher? Um, relative to like, you know, the, the like December and February, because people are anticipating that ETF event to be in that January term. Um, and so I think there's there's decent stuff that that people can kind of like glean to a degree just to see how the market's trading. And that's what makes mar- that makes options so much more interesting than spot from in my opinion.
0: Sounds a bit a bit uh, biased there what what yeah. strategies are we seeing that are maybe different or new that that you've you've never seen in or or you anticipated but are finally coming to fruition
1: I wouldn't say I guess I wouldn't say we're seeing too much that's new I mean a lot of it is you know in the vanilla option space um a lot of it is, fairly standard in terms of like selling puts, selling calls for yield, and then on the speculative side, uh using like the natural leverage and options to just express like a wide range of bets. I mean, definitely in uh for like in crypto, you see kind of the the range of options that people trade are much, much wider. So like, you know, we'll trade 100K strike options, um, whereas in the traditional world, you probably wouldn't go up that high. But, you know, crypto, back to your point about market structure, um, at least from- not the end user point of view, but from like the market maker OTC desk point of view, um, trading options is so different because you have to have an understanding of the market structure. You know, like there's not the fungibility across platforms and every um, settlement is a little bit different and collateral terms are a little bit different. And so trading the contract, you can't really abstract from those details in the way that you could if you were just like trading in your interactive broker's account, you know, Mm -hmm. for like an Apple option. Mm hmm.
0: Okay, so um, what are you anticipating for the next six months? What are you excited about and focusing on?
1: Uh, So, yeah, for us, um, we are seeing I mean, we're just seeing fantastic growth from uh, both I think the state of the OTC market in general um, and then obviously like the price action. Um, I think the in the throes of the bear market, which I guess was until like two weeks ago, uh, <laughs> you know, even then we were still, see- we didn't see the kind of attrition that, um, that like I think usually accompanies bear markets, like at least on the OTC desk. You know, a lot of our clients are still there and active, and kind of waiting for the right moment for um, for more positioning, for kind of diving in. A little bit more um, we're expanding our desk we're hiring we have a lot of good applicants you know people who aren't leaving crypto and going to TradFi, and so all of those things um will just continue to compound in terms of more founders more companies getting built more tools for hedging all the things that bitcoin needs um to really like for the price to go up but also for the ecosystem to continue to grow
0: well said well thanks so much for taking the time to join the program
1: Thank you. It was great to catch up with you.
0: Yeah, of course. And The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.